Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Our hope is that today's message would be encouraging to your walk with Christ. We also want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. But you did very good out there, Elijah. Once again, uh, welcome uh, this evening. Uh, We are uh, moving on uh, out of Nehemiah chapter 3, where we spent the last uh, several times that I've spoke on Wednesday night uh, concerning the gates and the building of the wall. And we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4, the title of this study is The Necessity of Armor and Courage. The Necessity of Armor and Courage. Uh, We're going to go ahead and, and read... Uh, the chapter. Uh, Through the past several studies, um, we've only looked at a few verses each night, and a lot of times I print them out. Um, Tonight, I was going to read all chapter four, and I opened up the Bible and said, I need a big print Bible. So this may be a challenge, Uh, but we will take a look at Nehemiah chapter four. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that he builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which were burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God. For we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity out of before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the wall of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the beasts of the burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt with them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords their spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. 
And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them took both the spears and the shields and the bows. And the Habergans and rulers were behind all the house of Judah, and which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, even one with the one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. At that place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, Resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, that every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which follow me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. So again, what a, a great chapter that we have here, chapter 4. And we'll see tonight that we, as Christians, even today, need both courage and armor. We may have all the courage in the world, but if we don't have any weapons, there isn't much that we can do. We also may have all the armor in the world, but if we don't have the courage to go out and use that armor to fight for the Lord, will de be defeated in our Christian lives. So we as a Christian need to have a balance of armor and courage. Up until this point, we saw that everything had been going smoothly for Nehemiah. The king had given him everything that he needed. He gave him safe passage. He gave him all the materials. The people were cooperating with him. There was great unity and harmony in the land. Half of the wall had already been builded, and then suddenly trouble shows up. And isn't that how it always is? Trouble happens when we least expect it. But the devil always knows when we're not expecting it. Back in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, the Bible first tells us about this fellow Sanballat. And he was showed up, and he was somewhat disturbed that someone had come to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Then in verse 19 of chapter 2, we hear of Sanballat, Geshem, and then Tobias mentioned again. They just make a few idle threats back at that time, and a very little concern. But now in chapter 4, it really becomes serious with this confrontation. So not only do we hear, again, of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, but we also read of the army of Samaria. And then in verse 7, it talks about the Arabians, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites. And so suddenly, everyone's here. And if you look at a map, you know, they are kind of surrounding all of Jerusalem. And Tobiah, Sanballat, and Geshem uh, decided to bring an army for some reason um, to really make things serious uh, for Nehemiah. So he knows he's surrounded, that he's cut off, but he's not discouraged. He rather begins praying and claiming victory of the Lord. So tonight as we look into chapter 4, there's five points that we want to take a look at. And the first is the wrath of our enemy. The wrath of our enemy. 
Again, back in chapter 2, verse 10, when we first hear Sanballat, we see that he was grieved and upset that someone had came to seek uh, the welfare of the children of Israel. Then as we move to chapter 4, uh, in verse 1 it says that he is wroth. And then in verse 7 it says that he was very wroth. So these men continue to get angrier and angrier that Nehemiah was succeeding in his work. They probably thought that nothing was going to be done with this uh, group of vagabond Jews that were left uh, from the captivity and that they would probably give up in just a few days. But Nehemiah and the Jews did not give up. So when we set our mind to something for the Lord and we don't give up, that gives the devil's attention. That upsets the devil. We see that Sanballat has called all of his friends and they've surrounded the city. And it tells us in verse 11 that they indeed intend to slay, causing the work to cease. So again, it's getting serious now. But today as Christians, we also have enemies. The Bible says that we're to be vigilant and sober because our adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking to whom he may devour. The devil is after us all the time, 24 hours a day. He has no mercy, no love, no compassion in him. It says in Revelations 12, 12, that the devil comes with great fury, for he knoweth that he hath but a short time. The Bible also says that the last days shall be like the days of Noah. And in Noah's day, there was increased demonic activity, there was increased wickedness, and it shouldn't take us as Christians very long to look around the world scene, or even this area, to see the wickedness that's all around us. So, the end times are not very far away. The devil is certainly on the move. Think of what he did to Job. Killed his family, his kids, took away every possession he had, uh, took away his health, got to the point where he cursed the day that he was born. You know, the devil has no mercy or pity. He won't just kick you a little and then let you get up. He'll kick you and make you stay down. He'll defeat you and destroy you if he has the chance. Again, there's no ounce of love you know, in him. So we need to be very aware of the devil and his wrath and who our enemy is. And the second point we want to take a look tonight ties in with the enemy. We want to see how relentless, how relentless that enemy is. In verse 12 of Nehemiah chapter 4, it says that the Jews that dwelt in the outskirts of Judea lived next to Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And they got word of what was going on. And it says that they sent to us ten times. So ten times they sent threats to the Jews. And the Jews came and warned Nehemiah about this. And so they were trying to discourage, to stop the work. And so they didn't just threaten once or twice or three times. It was ten times that they tried to say, you know, you need to move away from here. But they saw that they kept doing the work. All of this discouraging news kept coming because the enemy is relentless. Our enemy today is also relentless. 
If we are busy about God's work, our enemy, the devil, is going to continue to fight you. Again, he knows he only has a short time left, and he's going to give all he can in these last days. You know, we certainly believe, I certainly believe, that the end times are coming quickly. And we, as Christians, should not be surprised to see Satan coming with wrath and fury these final days. That is why we need to have courage and take on the whole armor of God, because we have a relentless enemy. In verse 13, notice that it says that Nehemiah had them carry their swords, their spears, and their bows. In chapter 4, it mentions setting up men at night and how they could never took their clothes off except to wash and get them cleaned. It is saying that you'd better put on the whole armor of God. We better take hold of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All the courage in the world will not overcome the devil unless we have a grip on the sword of the Spirit. You know, some people may have some verses memorized and maybe a little knowledge of the Word, but unless we have faith and courage, you know, we won't be able to defeat Satan. We must know that God is with us and know that his word is truth if we're going to withstand the wiles of the devil. So we need to know the wrath of the enemy. We need to know that our enemy is relentless. And the third thing we want to look at is the reasons or what they're doing for the opposition. And so there's two things that these enemies wanted to do to Nehemiah. The first, they tried to discredit the work. They tried to discredit his work. They started out by saying, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. So again, mocking the work that was going on, saying that this little uh, mammal could tear down this uh, wall that they're putting up. And so we're hearing some ridicule, you know, mocking going on. And how many times today do we hear work of the Lord, uh, missions work, being ridiculed and mocked by the world? A lot of time when it happens, it's because they don't have any valid reason to attack, but the world just wants to attack. Too many times it is effective. You know, discrediting people often discourages them. Uh, Nehemiah meant Sanballat no harm. He would have built the wall. He would have went back to Babylon without even bothering anybody. But ridicule is a very effective tool for the enemy when people listen to it. A wife whose husband ridicules her for going to church, you know, would soon get discouraged. Uh, sometimes parents uh, ridicule children, you know, if the child is saved and they're not, for wanting to go in the mission field or wanting to go to youth. Teenagers today... Uh, face all kind of peer pressure, you know, if they're a Christian in a public school or a Christian in a group of friends, if they say they go to a church, read a Bible, or pray, you know, how often they're mocked uh, to the point of scorn. And so uh, all over today, Christians are being discredited, mocked, ridiculed. The scripture tells us, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Jesus also said that he found tribulation in the world, and in the world we'll find tribulation. We surely are not above Jesus. So they wanted to discredit the work of God. 
they'll discredit or try to discredit us as we continue his work. And so the second thing, besides discrediting, works to discourage the worker. So after discrediting the work itself, they'll often try to discourage the worker. And again, discouragement is a very useful tool for Satan. Discouraged people are rarely effective in the Lord's work. Elijah was a great man of God. And in 1 Kings 18, we have a wonderful story of how he prayed down fire from heaven. But just one chapter later, in chapter 19, we see a discouraged man who sits under a juniper tree wishing to die. So God told him to go find Elisha so that he could call him to take Elijah's place. When Elijah got discouraged, God could not use him. Do we get discouraged today in doing the Lord's work to the point where God cannot use you or I? Discouragement is a lack of faith. We say to ourselves, all things work together to good for them that love God, but do we truly believe it in our actions? He is in control and will supply all of our needs. Even though things look very bad around us, at work, at home, in our finances, you know, in our field of missions, but God is with us. Do not let the devil discourage you. Claim the promises of God. Take the Bible and know that if we live by sight, we'll not be discouraged. But if we live, excuse me, if we live by faith, we won't be discouraged. We need to live by faith and in the promises of God. Oftentimes, my eyes tell me one thing, but my faith tells me something else. God says that he is on the throne and that all things do work together for those that love him. So we need to take, make up our mind, who are we going to believe, our eyes or our faith? Moving to the fourth thing, what was Nehemiah's response? We found out about the enemy, but what about Nehemiah? What was his response? So the keys to this chapter and to Nehemiah's victory over these men are found here. They did, they did not succeed the enemies. They did not attack. They did not tear down the walls. They did not destroy the city. And there's three things that Nehemiah did to overcome these men. The first, he was a man of prayer. In verse number four and in verse number nine, we find that Nehemiah prayed. But we had already in this study found out that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And he had learned that tremendous lesson of how important prayer is. He learned to pray first about everything. Too many times prayer is our last result. But prayer should be our first line of defense in this warfare. It is the wicked flesh that causes our pride to say, we can handle whatever situation that keeps us from praying. Too many times we put off praying until the very last thing because I think that I'm smart enough to handle this. And then when we do try to handle it ourselves, that's when it gets out of control. And then finally, when the situation's a mess, then I say, I better start praying. Nehemiah knew that he needed to pray first. 
If we prayed first, those situations wouldn't get out of control. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples came out of the prison, and the first thing they did was to pray. They said, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants with all thy boldness they may speak thy word. So the disciples knew that there was trouble, but they went to God first in prayer. They didn't go up to the capital in Rome. They didn't send letters to Caesar. They just prayed and said, Lord, grant us unto thy servants boldness. Our Lord prayed 40 days and 40 nights when he faced the devil. He prayed first, and then he faced the trials and temptations. So why should we not pray first when the situation is small before we allow it to escalate into something bigger? Hezekiah received the word that his city had been surrounded by the Syrians. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried to heaven. He prayed first, and he claimed the victory. And the angel of the Lord went out and slew the enemy, and he won the victory because he had prayed first. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray about everything, and we need to learn to pray first before we get ourselves into trouble, and we sometimes turn victories into losses. The next response from Nehemiah was his dedication, his dedication. In verse 6, it says, so built we the wall. But back in verses 1 and 3, it talks about the opposition. It talks about the scorn, the ridicule, the threatening letters. Then in verses 4 and 5, Nehemiah just prays. This is where we find out that he was dedicated to the task at hand. He understood the opposition. He knew how serious it was. They knew that they were surrounded. They knew that all the enemies had come, but they just prayed and went on with their work because they were dedicated to building the wall, to the mission that the Lord had for them. They were not going to be distracted by any threats or anything else. Nehemiah and the people determined to accomplish the task for the glory of God. No matter what was going to happen, they were continuing on. Today, we need men and women that are dedicated to the Lord's work like this. Too many times, even Christians today, you know, don't know how to work. They don't know courage. They don't know commitment. And a little bit of trouble knocks them off that path. May we determine that we are not that type of Christian, you know, that you know, a little breeze doesn't move us off our path. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, how many times today you know, are we looking back, are we being distracted instead of keeping our hand on the plow? You know, we are in quite a battle, as we know here. We need Christians today that will endure this warfare. Too many times people think that it's just a playground in a fellowship. We're just playing church. But this is a partnership in the army of God, and we're in a battlefield, not a playground. We need to understand that we are in warfare, and the devil will come and oppose us. And the third thing that Nehemiah realized is he needed to be prepared. He needed to be prepared. And how practical we see Nehemiah in scriptures. And there's a couple things, again, in chapter 4 that he really shows us. 
Uh, one is, he placed men by their homes in verse 4. And this is very practical because as much as I may love each and every one of you here, I might not die for you or fight for you, but for my wife, for my daughter, maybe my son-in-law, definitely the grandkids, I would fight for them. And same you with your loved ones, your family. Nehemiah had them. They were building their houses. You know, they were, they were going to raise their families. He was very practical because he knew that they would fight you know, for their family that was there. So in effect, he was saying, we're not just defending the wall or the leader or Nehemiah. We're defending our wife, our children, our families. And so what a practical way to get the work done. Also, number two, he gave them a weapon, sword, spear, bow. You know, there was a potential that there was going to be warfare. And so he gave them weapons to defend themselves. And so, again, very practical with the situation that they were in. The number three thing that Nehemiah shows how practical he is, is he never allowed himself to get distracted. He didn't get himself into any verbal arguments with these men. He just ignored them and went on with the work of God. He didn't write letters. He didn't ask them to sit down and have a summit. He just asked the Lord to help him, and he turned them over to God. And he said, And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. He didn't say, Lord, they hurt my feelings. He said, They provoked thee to anger. In effect, he was saying, You take care of them while I build the wall. If the devil finds that he can't defeat you or stop the progress, you know, a lot of times he tries to distract them. You know, it was probably a real temptation for Nehemiah to not go out and try to f find out what's going on here. You know, why are you here you know, bothering us? But he didn't give in to that temptation. He also didn't retaliate. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't get into any verbal sparring or any letter writing campaign. He didn't try to get an army together. He just took his workers, gave them swords, he told them to fight if the enemies came, kept them on watch as they continued to build the wall. Sadly, today, there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of people in churches, a lot of preachers that have quit building because they are going fighting. And you know, there's a lot of things out there that we could fight about, you know, uh, things that we pray against here on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, but there are things that can distract us if we put all our attention there instead of continuing with the mission that the Lord has here. Again, a lot of those are writing more letters to Congress than they give out tracts. The Bible says that we're servants and then we're soldiers. We're to serve God and fight only when we're hindered from doing this work. As long as we're not hindered, we need to be busy about God's work and what he's called us to do. So Nehemiah told them to keep working until they heard the trump trumpet blow. That would warn them that the enemy was coming. If I have an enemy that hates me, and he is after me, and he knows no pity, and he's going to use every tactic that he can to defeat me, you know, I better have a sword at all times. You know, God has given us his armor. You know, he has given us the shield of faith, 
the breastplate of righteousness. I better hold on to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I better shod my feet with the uh, preparation of the gospel of peace and gird up my loins with truth. If we really believe that we are in a battle and the enemy is out there and is real, you know, are we prepared? You know, are we the Christian that we need to be to fight this battle? He's after you. He's after your family. He's after our church. He's after our kids. You know, we need to set a hedge of protection around our families, around our church, around our pastor and his families, because the enemy is coming. He knows that he's headed to hell, and he wants to take as many people with him. It is our job to prevent that. And so are we setting things up around our family, around our church, standards, um, things that will keep Satan out? The last thing we want to look at tonight is the rally place the rally place. In chapter 4, verse 20, he says, In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. If they had a place when the trumpet was blown and the enemies were coming, where they were going to come together and prepare for this battle, a rallying point, a place where the word of God was going to make a stand, a place where they could find the strength and the holiness and encouragement that they needed. Today, we need that place. You know, that is a local church where God's people can meet and crawl out of the sewer of this world and cleanse ourselves by the preaching of the word of God. A few things in ending that we need to find in this rallying point. The first thing we need to hear is fervent preaching. And I'm so thankful that at this church we do have that. Nehemiah encouraged their hearts when he said, our God shall fight for us. How many times have we come into the house of God and hear someone preach and God has strengthened you, encouraged us, blessed us? Just about every spiritual blessing that I know in my life has came from a body of believers, being around the people of God and hearing the word of God. That's why it's so important to be in the house of God. Another thing that this rallying point has is firm encouragement. We've talked about how the enemy wants to discourage you. Well, if you want to be encouraged, you know, we need to be in God's house, around God's people. The fellowship of God's people, and because straight Bible preaching, it will encourage the faint-hearted without fail. Again, looking around us today, it's so easy to be discouraged with the shape of the world, with the shape of this area. You know, but we need to be with brothers and sisters in Christ so we can be encouraged. And kind of tying in with that, this is also a place where we hear friendly testimonies. In the church, around brothers and sisters in Christ, is where we'll hear people testify that they're going through very similar things that you and I are going through. You'll hear people testifying how God gave them victories. You know, a lot of times in the challenges that each and us have, you know, we think that we're there by ourselves, whether it's a health challenge, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional. But the thing is, in this body of believers, we probably have someone that's went through the very same thing that God has placed here that can encourage us because of their testimony. 
Our heart should be encouraged as we rally around the sound of the trumpet in this rally point. This is the place where the word of God is proclaimed, where the trump, trumpet is lifted and the word of God is preached. We cannot have victory without a church that's dedicated to the Lord. Cannot have victory without the word of God. Cannot have victory without prayer. Cannot have this victory without dedication. How dedicated are we to the Lord? God is looking for men and women like Nehemiah. He's looking for some who followed Nehemiah. He's looking for men and women of courage. Men and women who have armed themselves and clothed themselves with the armor of God. That is what God is looking for today, to find effective servants when a lot of times he can't find any. You know, can it be our prayer today that we will be the men and women that will have the armor and the courage that God is looking for? Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Uh, Father, we do thank you for a church that is open on a Wednesday night. Father, I do thank you for Nehemiah and, and what a godly example he is. And Father, even in the midst of his enemies, uh, Lord, he turned to you in prayer. Uh, Lord, he showed his courage, uh, but he was also armed uh, with uh, your um, armor. And Father, again, you are the one that gave him victory, and we'll see that in upcoming weeks. But Father, today, in 2023, we as Christians are in the midst of enemies all around us. We see wickedness at every turn. Father, may we have the strength to pray to you. May we be dedicated servants, uh, Father, preparing for this battle. Once again, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for each one that's here tonight and this opportunity to lift up burdens to an all-knowing and all-loving God. Again, we love you. We praise you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, gentlemen, if you... That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.